This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Now you may know Bernie Sanders is a big proponent of high-speed rail in California. It was supposed to cost a few billion dollars and would be ready in 2022. Now it's at least 2029 and will cost $100 billion and counting. Well, with similar delays and cost overruns, welcome to the first episode of Stu Does America. And before you do anything, look around for a magical button called subscribe and click it. This tells the universe that you want shows like this that feature smart analysis, dumb laughs, and only occasionally the opposite. Coming up, Bernie uses his piping hot sex appeal to sell socialism. Glenn Beck stops by to talk Ukraine, coronavirus, and also how he seems to think he has some level of control over the show. And AOC explains economics and racism with the IQ of a hamster. This is Stu Does America. Democrats used to get mad when we called them socialists. Oh, 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 well, those times are long gone. Now it's time to Democratic Party like it's 2020. So meet your Democratic frontrunner. Socialists, how can any kind of socialist win a general election in the United States? Well, we're going to win because first we're going to explain what democratic socialism is. And what democratic socialism is about is saying that it is immoral and wrong that the top one-tenth of one percent in this country own almost 90 percent, almost own almost as much wealth as the bottom 90 percent. I mean, it's not even controversial or even arguable that Bernie Sanders is a socialist. But is he really the front runner? Well, he's the heavy favorite to win New Hampshire. He won two of the three vote measures in Iowa while basically tying the third. 538's Democratic primary election model now gives him more than double the chance of anyone else to win a majority of delegates. Why? Well, when you think Bernie Sanders, you think sex appeal. Am I right? I mean, the man is pure catnip for the socialistically curious nubile hotties just just waiting to be lit on fire. They are just aimless and jobless enough to spend all day harassing you for liking anything on this planet west of Stalingrad, which, by the way, is absolutely still the real name of that city. Just look at the way Bernie prints the address on his postcards after visiting his timeshare. If Bernie isn't causing you to have that little thrill up your leg that continues up into your lower Siberia, perhaps you've been missing the hot girl for Bernie movement. This is a real thing. It's an online collection of female Bernie supporters calling themselves hot girls. And as an aside, it's always the hot girls that call themselves hot girls. 
Calling yourself a hot girl is never just a sad example of self-persuasion to justify an androgynous flannel hidden behind 12 Instagram filters that eventually gets cropped out of all your friends' photos. So how hot are the hot girls for Bernie? I mean, they did get Emily Rudakowski, which, I mean, is pretty great, um, but that's really only enough to take the average hot girl for Bernie from a 2.5 on a 1 to 10 scale up to about an 800. Most of them are as hot as Bernie is capitalist. Now, you might notice that the irony of something that kind of looks like this, judging anyone about anything, and that's totally and completely fair, but it would also be fair to laugh hysterically at me if I was in a crop top and named myself a member of the group Hot Dudes for Mike Lee, which I should point out somehow isn't a thing, but most certainly now must become a thing because of how uncomfortable it makes Mike Lee. I mean, honestly, isn't Bernie going to have hot girls all over the place? I mean, to me, he's kind of everything that hot girls don't want in a man. Uh, he's so old, he actually predates the word old. He's not exactly attractive. I mean, you know, he would look good in a crop top at a meeting for hot dudes for Mike Lee. I'll give you that. I'll grant that to you. But he's miserable. I mean, the man hasn't been happy for a consecutive three minute period in his entire life, except, of course, when he's at his timeshare in Stalingrad. Bernie doesn't even have game. I mean, at least Joe Biden has game. He has Joe Biden has the game with the biker chicks. You know, he's, he's, he can work it a little bit. Or maybe the game that Joe Biden also seems to feature with his granddaughter, apparently, which is a little odd. But he does have one thing and one thing only. He's the ultimate sugar daddy. Bernie is just another example of a long-lasting tradition. An older, rich, powerful man somehow attracts a woman he has no right being with. Now, I'm definitely not saying he is having affairs or that he owns spectacular vacation homes and travels on private jets. I am just simply saying two of those three things. Unfortunately, when you look at Bernie Sanders, you can't get the ladies to agree to feel your burn for a couple thousand bucks. Bernie is on a mission to prove that you have very much the ability to buy love. It just takes more than millions. You need billions and trillions of dollars. And not to sound pimpy here, but if you want to fully convert a hot girl into a hot girl for Bernie, you need to understand the economics of the situation. And that's why we created the Bernie Sanders Hottie to Cash Conversion Scale to better explain what your money can buy. And in this case, I literally mean your money. By the way, we're using Bernie's own numbers here when available, along with left-leaning think tanks, because we're just fully embracing the fantasy here. But to be clear, all of these numbers would be far higher in real life. How much higher? Like, Bernie's numbers basically are your kid when you catch them taking a drag on their first joint. Real life is Snoop Dogg in Amsterdam. So let's start off. Bernie wants to spend $1 trillion on infrastructure. Come on, Bernie. I mean, we can get a trillion on infrastructure from the current president. You're not even trying on this one. That's why the hot girl for Bernie at this level is Lizzo. Now... <laughs> Sorry, Lizzo. Uh, a side note here, it may be worth mentioning that starting at the bottom of the spending scale where we are with Bernie right now, we're already seeing more spending than the reported cost of either Obama's stimulus plan or Obamacare itself. We apparently now care so little about spending that's not even an issue. We care less about spending than Bernie Sanders cares about grooming his nose hair. And that's not a lot. Bernie also wants to spend $1.8 trillion to expand Social Security. Again, this is small potatoes. Come on, Bernie. 
Spending a couple trillion on Social Security is like breathing in or breathing out or voting after you stopped breathing in Chicago. It's easy and natural for any Democrat. Maybe you can land a finely aged hot girl for Bernie when you dip your toes into the world of politics. Susan Sarandon style sounds about right, you know, but that's about it. At least your date is over by 3.30 p.m., and that's a positive. No offense to the silent generation here, but Bernie's a little bit more of a creepy professor slipping into the Instagram DMs of one of his students. It's his vibe. So how about $3 trillion to forgive all student loans and guarantee free public college tuition? This level, you're getting the hot girl at the college party to introduce you to her mediocre-looking friend. Uh, You know, look, she was just as popular in middle school, became a little jaded and angry in high school, and is now kind of part of the group in sort of a nostalgic yet charitable way. She spends most of the time trying to get her friends to leave. Now, in about 10 years, she'll turn conservative and meet her soulmate at a local meetup of hot dudes for Mike Lee. Now, for something really to burn, you've got to turn up the heat. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking really hot, scorching. Wipe out the entire population hot. That's right. That's right. We're talking 0.9 degrees Celsius over a century hot. Bernie wants to spend $16.3 trillion on his climate plan. Now we're talking. I mean, for every other politician in modern history, this would land you a princess that breaks up a royal family and destroys a fantastic legal drama on USA Network. Uh, But on the Bernie scale, eh, $16.3 trillion can only buy you, let's say, the second best looking girl at your local airport Chipotle. I mean, she's pretty cute, but she also smells like barbacoa. Now, what about guaranteeing every American a full-time government job paying 15 bucks an hour with full benefits? Estimated cost, $30.1 trillion. Now we are firing it up. Bernie Hot's Girl Scale says, oh yeah, it's the girl that you had a crush on in high school turned attractive divorcee. I mean, this is starting to get pretty good, right? Side note, Bernie has cleared out Roman of the entire stock of ED medication at this point in the monologue. Maybe that's why we, of course, need Medicare for all. That would cost it. Oh, yeah, let's see it. $40 trillion. Yes. By the way, this is his freaking estimate. Somewhere between 30 and 40 trillion over a 10-year period. I mean, he's admitting it. And, of course, just like when I estimate how many Entenmann's Little Bites I'm about to eat, when I say 40, I mean 85. But for 40 trillion, he gets the Bernie Hot Scale uh, hitting the level of a eh, formerly promising model actress who once released a single for a creepy studio producer and now just mainly hangs around athletes at release parties for various fruit-flavored alcohols. We really need to work on streamlining these category names. Add it all up and you have a few fun nights. You know, you got a collection of STDs maybe. And of course, $97.5 trillion price tag over a decade. What does that get you on the Bernie Hot Girl scale? Now that gets you Emily Ratajkowski. Mm. I mean, if you're watching this and not listening to the podcast, you would know. Uh, this thing is pretty scientific now. It's feeling a little bit scientific. All right, I've had enough. I mean, we can play more of it later, but not right now. Well, it might be hard to utilize your brain after I've been talking about Emily Ratajkowski. Remember a few things. Remember the fact that Bernie Sanders is the Democratic frontrunner. Remember that he wants to spend at least $97 trillion of your dollars. Remember that not so long ago, Democrats used to get mad when we called them socialists. And if you remember one thing, 
Remember, hot dudes for Mike Lee. It doesn't exist yet, but let's get it to happen, America. Our very first guest is the host of something called the Glenn Beck Program, host of Glenn TV, author of dozens of number one best-selling books, and the force behind the upcoming CD, Rockin' to Club, Volume 18. Mm-hmm. Welcome to the program. DJ Glenn Beck. I like that hat. Yeah. I have that hat. You do have it. Yeah, I have I'm that surprised. Hat. I'm surprised. Oh, it's very nice. Very so thanks nice. for coming on. Your first first guest of the show. Only because nobody else would come on, I'm yeah, guessing. You're yeah. in the closest studio to where we are. <laughs> right. So yeah. I appreciate you being here. Do we grab the wino or Okay, grab the wino. And so now I'm here. Yeah, there you are. <laughs> right. There you are. Yeah. Uh, so you are here. You're interacting with other humans, which I feel like is a good step for you. Yeah. Um, especially in this time. I mean, it's a little, it's a little dangerous. A little dangerous Not right now. Not if you're prepared. Not if you're prepared. I have, uh, I have, you know, everything I need. So when I'm around people like you, you know, <laughs> then I can just wear this and I'm totally fine. Because this works. Because obviously everybody in China is totally fine. You know, they're all wearing these all the time. The face masks. The face masks mm-hmm. all the time. By the way, I got one for you, too. I got Thank this you. Uh, from some friends in China. Okay. You can take that. It's a little, uh, so. It's a little, it seems a little, be a little bloody, but uh, I'm just going to. No, 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 it's fine. Place it's fine. No, it was tested. It was uh, each, each one of them were tested to make sure that they're all good. I appreciate it. I can, yeah. I can, you know, I will say this. I've been doing a show with you for 100 yeah. years. Uh, now, and I'm a little surprised at how you're not really freaked out about the coronavirus. I'm a little freaked out that I'm not freaked out. Yeah, you know, it's like, did you lose your edge? Is that what's happening now? Because I prepared for this, mm-hmm. and or maybe it's you know it's my birthday today. It is, and uh, I think maybe I could just be ready to die. Yeah, because it seems like there is a praying for death. You know, element. I should actually stop saying that. I just want you to know, I am not suicidal. Not at all. And I say that because of the Ukraine thing. I'm totally good. I'm totally good. If you should find me Jeffrey Epstein, <laughs> I did not do that. Though we could sell a lot of uh, Glenn Beck did not kill himself t-shirts. Oh, that would be great. Uh, I mean, I'm printing got, them now. We've already got the Nancy yeah. Pelosi pen thing going. I think we go right into that. Uh, the Ukraine thing has been pretty amazing this week because you did the special last week. Yeah. One of the biggest things we've done on The Blaze. I yeah. Think. So I just I heard this today that it broke all kinds of records. I mean, it's a bit of a big deal. And not only that, it's also making its way. I mean, it seems to be actually having an impact. Rudy Giuliani was on Fox News yeah. with the same document mm-hmm. that you featured. Mm-hmm. And he's making the case there. Grassley is in the middle of looking at this as well. Where does this go? I don't know. You know, I, was, I spoke to Charlie Kirk today. And uh, he, you know, he said the the problem is, is how many people are involved. He heard from somebody who was um, very high up in the Republican Party. This is when Trump first got in. And they said, and he asked, so is Hillary, I mean, is anybody really going to do anything about Hillary, you know, in her emails? And the, the very high up GOP person said, we all do these things. We leave each other alone. Otherwise, it'd just be nothing right. but back and forth. That's a little frightening, especially when it comes to this. We're talking $1.8 billion. We're talking about what I believe is a secret war, um, a war not authorized by Congress, even though they wanted it. um, Barack Obama was not about to give it to them. And if it's not a war, it's worse. Because then what did you just steal $1.8 billion? What did you do with it? Where is that? That's a lot of money. And so there's kind of a two-part case here. There's a case of uh, money laundering 
Uh, and that the other part of it is, what did the money go to? Mm-hmm. Which could be either just to personally, you know, as you put it on the special, buy a bunch of Bugattis. Yeah. Or it could be to leading to a uh, potentially a secret sort of proxy war. And, you know, there's part of me because I do want the Ukrainians to have the ability to fight the war. I don't want to fight it. Right. But I don't mind them having the weapons and, and making sure that Russia stays in her place. Um, but that's not what we did. So I'm I'm kind of glad that we did give them the weapons or the money to purchase them. Just not the way to do it. The, the guy that they sold these to is a guy who literally cuts people's heads off with a chainsaw. I mean, that's insane. Yeah, you don't get into business with people like that. But oh. I mean, we did wind up doing this, right? We did it the right way in the Trump administration, right? Like, we just approved it. Yeah. And it went and through it went a normal through. spending process. Yeah, is that just a difference between Obama? Yeah, Obama one? didn't want to be known as a guy who's going to war. Um, where I think Trump doesn't want to go to war at all. But Trump doesn't have a problem being the tough guy on the street. So t- there's the two parts of this. You have the the motivations, whether it's war or personal greed, and the money laundering. The money laundering itself, you seem to be pretty much 100% on that, right? That is that's That happened. Oh, yeah. And, and right to Hunter Biden was one of the people. To Hunter Biden. To Hunter Biden. The, I wish I had the document with me, but the, the document from Latvia says, remember, the, the, um, the prosecutor in Ukraine sees something going on that's not right. He sees money laundering. He sees money being missing from Privat Bank and Burisma. Right. So he starts an investigation. Because of that, that triggers uh, an alarm bell in Latvia. And so they write the Ukrainians and say, we understand that there may be criminal activity coming from Burisma. Is this true? Because we've just seen um, money laundering happening from Burisma in this amount um, to this dummy corporation in the form of a loan to a second dummy corporation in the way of a loan. And those proceeds were sent to Devin Archer. Uh, and uh, Joe, Bi- or I mean Hunter uh, Biden, Hunter Biden mm-hmm. and two other people. So that's Remarkable. done. We know that money laundering happened. We know that uh, uh, Archer and Biden received cleaned money, dirty money that had been cleaned from the Tony Soprano times ten of Ukraine. And then the second part of that, which is motivation, how sure are you that you think this was actually all of the, the pieces war? fit, um, but. You know, it's all circumstantial. We know that the money is missing. We know that the money um, was put into one bank. That one bank is the Tony Soprano. Right. We know that as that money disappeared, the Tony Soprano was made a governor of a province right there on the border with Russia. That was where the main fighting was going on. We know now that he is also known as the financier of the war with Russia. He was the guy who poured all of his own money into it. It may have been, it may have been his money, but that money that he spent with his money, then we just replaced and he's just rich because we gave him all of this money. Mm. So we know it went to him. We know what he is known for on building the army at this time. And it seems pretty illogical that he would spend his own money and we don't care where our money went. A little strange. Um, Are you at all impressed by Hunter Biden? Because I feel like all of this would take up most of your time, yet he found time to... 
Dakota Strip Club, all sorts of strippers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, lots of he was driving rental cars across the country right. with cocaine on the dashboard. Correct. He remained busy. No, well, cocaine, you know, it elongates your day. <laughs> it you does. Know, it you does. can get a lot done. I know. It's like a kind of the original done. Monster Energy drink. Right. You know, you right. just it was you a know, lot. hey, look, you're Hunter Biden. You got to go, go, go. <laughs> cocaine. It's so. Speaking of the Biden family, uh, New Hampshire yeah. tomorrow mm-hmm. is Joe Biden done. I think he is. It's incredible. I think he is. He's been the front runner for how long? And but now, neither of us felt that way. Everybody, yeah. Bill O'Reilly, you know, was always, <laughs> he's going to get it, he's going to get it, he's going to get it. And we were like, I don't think so, Bill. Uh, but even he corrected himself and said, he's not the guy. Yeah. I mean, it was, it's been his to lose, I think, this whole time. And I think he's wanted to. It I think does he's seem really that way. wanted to. Why, yeah. though? Why run if this is how you're going to run your campaign? I mean, because I can. Th- there's a good argument to say, don't run. Your family's a, a bunch of a mess. All this Ukraine stuff is going to come out. Why risk it? Stay out of the light. And you made this point before he ran. You said, I don't think he's going to run because he doesn't want this to come out. Well, now he's got into the race. Yeah. It has come out. And he's looked like someone who wants to get out of the race for three I months. I think he does. I mean, look, he is almost 80 years old. Um, and I mean, when I'm 80... Do you want to be running the country at 80 or do you want to be, you know, just like doing what oh, yeah. you want to do? And if, it, if what you want to do is running the country, whew, you've had a sad life. Seems like every 80 year old I know wants to run the country. They're all in the primary. <laughs> every single one of them. <laughs> well, yes. If you're a Democrat, yes, you're 80. It is. You are. You are doing that. Um, so you pointed out today, today's your birthday mm-hmm. um, and you are now equidistant. Between September 11th and your 75th birthday. Yeah, thank you for that. So you've done what you've done since September 11th has been pretty notable. Mm. Anything? I mean, what do you think about the second the second half of this equation? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I really do. I mean, some big things happening, right? Yeah, I think um, I think the second you know uh, half, if you will, Mm -hmm. of this equation is I'm excited about it. I'm really excited about it. I mean, there have been, I mean, between the stuff going on with the Nazarene Fund, between the stuff going on with Ukraine, I mean, making a big impact there. Um, when you look, if you take you know, your flux capacitor, you go forward to your 75th birthday, you look at this period, at what point is being executive producer of Stu Does America, like what, where does that rank on your, is it towards the top? Is it a, is it a middle? Did, was I successful in destroying it? Well, I mean, most I mean, right? I mean, making it as successful as it can be. Right. <laughs> See, you've been my executive producer for 20 years. 20 years. And plus. you've been a pain in my... Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And uh, so I feel I just I want like to was in the job I just so want to repay you for that. It was really weird, actually, when we were when you first did you were doing rehearsals yeah. to sit in the control room and uh, and then the critique you. Mm. It was really weird. It's really frustrating, isn't it? Because you're like, why don't you do it right? That's how I always feel when you're doing the show. I'm always like, gosh, why don't you do it better? And then you're sitting in there and you're looking at me and I'm I'm sitting in this chair (laughs) as I'm sitting in this chair. Is this is what your life feels like all the time? I mean, kind of. Yeah. Like, you know, because I mean, really sucks. It does. Right. Really sucks. Yeah. This is what I tell my wife all the time. (laughs) It's just not that good. And she says that's why that's trying to leave. Yeah. Uh, And, uh, you know, we all come together at the end of that. Right. Yeah. Well, happy birthday. Thank you very much. Number seven, uh, eight, eight. 
And uh, this is your last <laughs> show. <laughs> what, what is, uh, well, uh, happy birthday. And Thank you. Do you have anything big planned for, for the evening other than the very long delay before this interview started? No, I no, I think I'm, my kids haven't told me what they're doing, but I'm doing something with my kids, I think. Everybody just says, you have to be done. Hurry up. You have to be done. And I'm like, well, I've got a really long, you know, wait for Stu because he's so important. <laughs> right. But after that. I'm going to be with the kids. All right. Well, thank you for coming on. Thank you. The first guest here on Stu Does America. Good luck. And I mean that. You're going to need it. Wait. We're not on still, are we? Yeah, we are. Back in a second. I don't understand what the threat is about. I mean. Hey, hey, what do you say? How is Alexandria a victim today? Oh, yes. How is she a victim today? She's always the victim. We know she's always the victim. There's someone always victimizing our poor AOC. It's an important thing to understand about AOC and the squad generally. There are things that are more important than power and money and Instagram fans and even socialism. The more important thing is making sure you're always the victim. It's crucial to your life's existence. She's among the most creative in history at making herself the victim in every freaking situation. And when she says something incredibly stupid like this, Ms. Hutchinson, I also want to thank you about bringing up the poverty draft and this idea of a bootstrap. Uh-oh. You know, this idea and this metaphor of a bootstrap started off as a joke because it's a physical impossibility to lift yourself up by a bootstrap, by your shoelaces. It's physically impossible. The whole thing is a joke. Wow, what brilliant insight from AOC. You can't pick yourself up by your shoelaces. Who even knew? I mean, look, this is one of the dumbest things that has ever been said on camera. And I have a television show. I mean, so there's a long list of things that are really dumb that have been said on camera. Uh, Instead of saying, of course, at that point, you could do the whole thing where you said, look, I know that sounded pretty stupid. I know it was kind of a bad point. But I was just trying to say we're all in this together. Blah, 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 blah. Right. You could do that. Instead, she paints herself as the victim of all these evil Republicans who don't understand. Did you, she goes, did you know MLK? Did you know MLK said you can't bootstrap yourself up if you don't have any boots? Well, I'm sure he did. So what does that have to do with anything? No one's saying you literally pick yourself up by your shoelaces. That was never the point of this. Uh, You know, the cat never gets your tongue either. We don't actually, you know, want the child actors and actresses in our school plays to go out and break a leg. And let's, you know, it's a really crappy play. Then maybe, but not often. We don't actually throw babies out with the bathwater. Uh, you know, it's it's just a dumb, a dumb point by AOC, and it's completely pointless. Uh, it, you know, we all know that what you know what was being said there, right? She's completely making a pointless observation. And that aside, the irony in her statement is people in America can actually do this. I mean, the point behind the bootstrap thing is to say you can do it yourself. And her own personal story refutes her idea that it's impossible. She was a bartender. She was making like, you know, $5, you know, a day probably because she had to be a terrible bartender. She, I mean, she can't do anything right. She couldn't have poured the beer correctly. There's no way a mixed drink came out with the right stuff in it. You know that. Now she's making like $200,000 a year. She stands to make millions on speaking engagements. She's a social media platform of millions of followers, which she can just milk. And she can turn into a ton of cash whenever she really feels like it. She's literally the perfect example of someone in America becoming successful out of almost nothing. An entirely empty skull is getting her 200K a year, and she's saying you can't do it. I mean, she has basically a hope 
and a dream and an empty skull. And here she is, uh, one of the most famous women in the world. It just doesn't make any sense. You know, this sort of like anti-capitalist propaganda is so thick on the glasses of people like AOC, Michael Moore, Sean Penn, you know, the crew. And they are unable to see the massive wealth and success in their own life. And somehow they think, despite the countless examples of American dream stories out there, somehow you're the one that can't do it. You need them. How does this message even survive in this country? How does you suck and you can't do it? Vote for me and I'll do it for you. Ever win against, you know, the sky's the limit. You're free to pursue your own dreams. You can be whatever you want. You don't have to rely on anyone but the good Lord above. She's always the victim. You always know there's something going on with AOC. And now every situation that pops up with her, she finds a way to kind of make herself into this sort of uh, martyrish character. And it really is frustrating to kind of take in on a daily basis. She had this uh, situation where she was on Instagram, which she should just stop doing because she's just terrible at it. But she's on Instagram and she's trying to you know, to speak wisely about economics. Now, this should be something she should be able to do. The woman, again, I know she sounds like an idiot every time she speaks, but she has a an economics degree from Boston University. This should not be a big, uh, this should not be a heavy lift. So she kind of writes a little message. Can we show this first screen? This is, uh, this is her, and she says, she blah, 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 blah. She's talking about economics, and then she talks about, she's trying to explain the difference between Uh, some famous economics of the past. And she says, Milton Keynes. Now, you know, I think she's, you know, she's screwing up Milton Friedman and John Maynard Keynes. And it's like, well, look, it it can happen. It can happen to somebody. It can happen to me. It can happen to you, right? Um, And then she says, oh, typo. It's John Maynard Keynes. Uh, Fix this name with Milton, uh, mixed up the name with Milton Friedman, a very different economist. First of all, very true. Uh, Keynes is basically a socialist. Um, and he sucked. He's a uh, terrible and he's a terrible influence on our country, frankly. Uh, Milton Friedman, a very good influence on our country, as was Hayek and many others. Um, what's interesting about this, though, is she actually pronounces it in the video Keynes. Now, if you're if you're listening on podcast, you know, that's how the name is. You know, it would look if you had never seen it before. Right. K-E-Y-N-E-S. She pronounces it wrong. Now, if I were to write a joke about AOC and her lack of knowledge about economics, I could not do better than having her mispronounce Keynes's name. I, like, there's no way, like, you'd, uh, you'd write that in a bit and people would not believe it. It would just, oh, that's, come on, that's a, that's a cheap one. But the BBC actually already beat me to it, watch. It took me 30 years to understand Keynes' economics. And then when I just cottoned on, everyone started getting hooked on these new monetarist ideas. You know, I Want to Be Free by Milton Shulman. <laughs> Milton Friedman. Why are they all called Milton? (laughs) Anyway, I've only got as far as Milton Keynes. Maynard Keynes. I'm sure there's a Milton Keynes. (laughs) Yes, there is. I mean, they were decades ago laughing at AOC in the future. That was a future joke. I mean, more than screwing up the name, she she called it the typo. And, you know, look, it's not a typo if you also say it wrong and mispronounce the name. Keynesianism is one of the most referenced economic theories out there. It's in our conversation all the time. It's not just some ancient thing. It's like the battle between people like, you know, uh, Paul Krugman and 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 conservative economics, uh, uh, you know, Stephen Moore or whoever you want to bring up as an example. 
Keynes versus Hayek is like one of the most, well, they even made a rap video for YouTube. I mean, there's a Keynes versus Hayek rap video. If you haven't even seen that, what good are you? It's actually like, I just, it's, it's, if you're working at a shipping yard, you're trying to make ends meet, maybe you read the name wrong. She has an economics degree from Boston University. I swear, and this is just a recommendation for Boston University. I don't want to do it. I don't want anyone else to do it. Only if Boston University considers it to be the right thing. Perhaps they should set all of their own buildings on fire after giving her a degree. I'm just throwing it out there. I mean, if you run the university, maybe you should think, you know, this isn't working. Perhaps just light the entire campus on fire when everyone's safely evacuated and call it a day. Uh, She's also, AOC, a victim of her own boyfriend. Now, you'd think of all the things in the world that AOC would choose to do, it certainly wouldn't be dating some white dude. Because all she talks about is how bad, uh, you know, every white person is and how racist they are. But if you had to pick a white dude to date AOC... And you had to go to central casting and find a white dude that could put up with AOC every day. Would this guy not be your immediate choice for the role? So, Riley, what has been helpful to you in combating racism? Uh, I think it's helpful and important to talk to other white people Mm -hmm. about racism. And I think a lot of people... They don't want to be racist. They don't think that they're racist. But they also don't know some of the things that they believe or say are and can be racist. Uh, Racist. And I think one of the, like, effective ways is just to talk and kind of help teach them about why some of the things they believe or say or think are wrong. Mm -hmm. Not necessarily racist, but that they're wrong. And that'll sort of, like, chip away. And... (laughs) Right you know, contribute to some development in this area, but not necessarily take somebody from like being a racist to Mm -hmm. not being a racist in one conversation. And it's just always being open to learning about racist things that we may have said or done without judgment. (laughs) This guy's life is a horror show. Can you imagine dating her on a daily basis and having to listen to this nonsense? Now, I don't know what his game is there. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what his play is. Honestly, it seems like it's something because, I mean, he could just be one of these super mega woke guys who is, uh, you know, the, the whole male feminist thing is, uh, I guess, in vogue, um, you know, but it's it, it, this idea that there is the the thing that is racist and then there's a the thing that's not racist. And that's not enough. It's not enough to just be um, a person who opposes racism. You have to have this different category, which is like constantly calling yourself out. You saw this with Kirsten Gillibrand during the debates where she just goes up there and she said, I just want to let everyone know I have too much privilege because I'm white. Now, we've been told that women had it so hard, but I guess white women are still privileged over other races. And there's this this weird sort of like ladder. You have to figure out where you stand every single day on this ladder and whether you have enough privilege or if you're too racist or if you're not anti-racist enough, it just seems like a, a completely ridiculous world. And I love the just defeated, the absolute defeated look on this guy's face at the end of this video. Because, I mean, look, the end of the day, he knows that when that Instagram video is turned off and we all just laugh at it and go home, he's still there. This guy's still there living this life every single day. He has to sit here and digest the inane ramblings 
of Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez every day. What did this man do to deserve this fate? Did he beat up a little a puppy on the way to work one day and this is his punishment? What has happened? What has happened to this man's life? And the fact is that he sits there and just like with the with the look of emptiness <laughs> has to try to justify her just bizarre ramblings on this topic is it's quite possibly it's one of the saddest things I've ever seen in my life. But I will say this, you know, anything for love, right? Woke white guy, you know, sure, sure, your life is, is an utter hell. And I, I don't think any of us would want to experience it. But I mean, thanks for taking it for us. You know, stepping in there, being the white knight, saving all of us from having to deal with her for another 30 seconds. Whatever you're saying to her that keeps her off Instagram, just keep saying it. You know, she wants to hear about how anti-racist she is. You want to hear about, you know, whatever, whatever way she's been victimized today. Let her spout it to you instead of to us. Safest thing and probably the best thing I've ever done in my entire life. And I'm going I'm to let you in a little bit of a secret. This is a secret of life. It's a life hack. You go into your Twitter account and you go up to the little gear thing, the settings, and you go to look for a, uh, it's a title that says muted words. You click on that, type three simple letters, AOC. Mute could change your life, change your life for the better. Back in a second. Well, it must be said, congratulations to the Oscars. They achieved something pretty remarkable last night. Hats off, truly hats off. What did the Oscars achieve? Well, (laughs) they got to congratulate themselves quite a bit, but they finally done it like Palpatine completing another Death Star. Hollywood has finally completed the elitist bubble. And they are now 1,000% shielded completely from the rest of the world. No headlines today showing actors getting grilled by the host. Absolutely none. One of the reasons for that, they didn't have a host. Again, the Oscars are now a safe space from criticism. Thank God, because these Hollywood types, they just have it too hard. Ricky Gervais provided a glimpse into what could have happened when asked what his best joke as host would have been. He said, I can't wait to hear all your inspirational speeches about equality. And it's great that the three hours you're here tonight are the only time that your badly paid migrant house staff will get some time off to sleep this week. <laughs> Is there anybody better than Ricky Gervais right now, like in, on the planet? He's, he's just fantastic. He also writes, uh, it's great to see such diversity in the room tonight. Rich sex pests of all shapes and sizes. Uh, that's nice. Uh, now, of course, uh, if someone like Ricky Gervais were there, it might be watchable. But instead of keeping uh, them honest like Ricky probably would have, we got this. Brad Pitt's impeachment nod to Iowa caucus quips Oscar's most political moments. Steve Martin made light of the Iowa caucus and the tech mishap, while Best Supporting Actor winner Brad Pitt nodded to the lack of witnesses at the Senate impeachment trial. Brad Pitt made a, I mean, he made a joke about John Bolton. Imagine you're the biggest male star in Hollywood. You've waited a lifetime to get an Oscar. You get it. And you waste precious time on stage making a point about John Bolton, a guy you absolutely hated exactly 12 minutes ago. One of the biggest voices in favor of the Iraq war. One of our nation's biggest hawks on Iran. One of the biggest defenders of Israel. And now, because it benefits you in this moment, you love this guy. It really is incredible. Trump makes people do some weird crap, man. Brad, you're in our thoughts. Prayer emojis are up. Okay. Then there was Joaquin Phoenix. Joaquin uh, said, This form of expression has given me the most extraordinary life. I don't know where I'd be without it. 
But I think the greatest gift uh, that it's given me and many people in this industry is the opportunity to use our voice for the voiceless. Now, you know what's coming after a rant like that. You'd think this guy was at a climate conference at the Center for Justice and Wokeness and Equalityness, or whatever that is. I, it's, just, it's, it's just awful. Here is the Stew Does America guarantee. If somehow I ever win an Oscar for anything, and I think it's going to happen, it's right around the corner. I mean, you've seen the show tonight. You've heard it. You know what's happening. If I get there and I climb that mountain, I promise you I will get up there and talk as long as possible about how, like, taxation is theft or how affirmative action is terrible policy. I will go up there and I will just rant about nonsense. We need to start a Me Too movement for white bearded men of Croatian descent. And that's my truth. And I've learned when you say my truth, it sets you free no matter what you say is completely valid. How about just talking about the freaking movie when you're up there? I will say... To Joaquin's credit, he did go on to create some pretty vivid imagery. (laughs) Quote, many of us are guilty of an egocentric worldview. And we believe that we're the center of the universe. We go into the natural world and we plunder it for its resources. We feel entitled to artificially inseminate a cow and steal her baby, even though her cries of anguish are unmistakable. Then we take her milk that's intended for her calf And we put it in our coffee and our cereal. Good night, America. Look, I'm basically America's only conservative vegetarian. uh, And even I would rather get through the evening without thinking about cow rape. I mean, it's it's just one of those things. Especially when it's so closely tied to our breakfast cereal. I think that's kind of the weirdest part of that. What's crazy about this is not the opinions uh, that he has. Uh, I mean, if he cares about stuff, good for him. I mean, say whatever you want. It's just the consistency. The consistent, like, bait and switch of these shows. Hey, everyone, watch this show about movies, followed by three hours of political speeches uh, from the floor of the Green Party convention or whatever it is. Um, You know, imagine if Hollywood had an equivalent. Like, if people did what Hollywood does in other industries. Like, you go to a Megadeth concert and you get three hours of poems about Medicare policy. I mean, you'd be pissed off. We don't get this anywhere else. If you go to a Whataburger and you order something and the guy behind the counter says... Okay, so that's a number one. And um, I'd also like to tell you about the rural-urban migration issues Nepalese farmers face today. I think it's pretty important. Let's talk about it before your fries come out. Most people can deal with, you know, those who disagree with them. And we're human beings, and that's part of life. But what annoys all of us is when you put your agenda in our faces and act all supreme about it. Luckily, they don't have to hear any of this criticism because they've eliminated the one weak point in their defenses. No host. No problem. Well, here we are. The end of the first program of Stew Does America. And you might think to yourself, hey, it's amazing. That fat idiot got through an entire show by himself. Incredible. Something to celebrate. But no, this is a solemn occasion. Okay? I want you to know that we take no no glory in the fact that we finished an entire show. That's why I've broken out my Nancy Pelosi sucks pen. And we're going to have a little little ceremony here to make sure that people know this solemn event is something worth remembering. Now, you can remember how much Nancy Pelosi sucks as well. If you go to NancyPelosiSucksPen.com, if you remember when she was doing the impeachment uh, papers, she signed one letter uh, each uh, with one pen, and then she kind of just, 
threw them out to people like party favors. Um, and that's kind of what how the thing goes. And that's what you do at solemn occasions, okay? You get party favors, maybe some streamers, uh, maybe one of the noisemakers, and you kind of have a nice solemn occasion. Uh, and you throw out some pens to people because, you know what? <laughs> what better way to try to overturn an election than to give away little prizes to your friends in the room? You know, so many people of you have bought these uh, Nancy Pelosi sucks pens. And... Might I just say I completely respect each and every one of you because, I mean, I know I would have bought one of these stupid things, but that's exactly what it is. It looks just like the pen that Nancy Pelosi signed the impeachment papers with, but it's just as Nancy Pelosi. And then at the end, it just says sucks in the same font. So it's important that when you have a solemn event like ending your first show on Glenn Beck's uh, Blaze Network, you make sure that you have a bunch of these to be able to throw out to all your friends. Hey, you. (laughs) Uh, you get one, too. And you kind of throw out each one because you don't want to write more than one letter. It's important. These things are, are are works of art. OK, that's what they are. Nancy Pelosi sucks pens and she doesn't suck the pen. She just sucks. And it's on a pen. A lot of people are confused by that. Uh, so anyway, let's see. There we go. Oh, oh, it's over. I got it. There you go. Tic-tac-toe. Uh, we did it. Good night, America.